Today's guest is regarded as one of the best AFL players of all time. In Buckley, one vote. It's a straight to lock in to Buckley, who won lives from 55 metres out! In the spotlight tonight, more ways than one. Nathan Buckley, a master craftsman. He's Mark Robertson wrote an article about 11 players have tested positive at Collingwood. And we played round one against Sydney, lost by 80 points up at the SCG. Swanee broke his leg. Alex Fasolo fell on his head and nearly broke his neck. And this article had come out the night before. Go on, that press conference wasn't like fun. Give it up for Nathan Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever lucky. I think the only lucky game in life is where you're born and then you make the rest. Stick around. It's going to be a good ride. Tips are coming through. I've got to pass them on. Forward them on. For today. Oh, we didn't. Oh. Got a bit of a crowd in, lads, today. I reckon we yeah. must have a, a big guest coming in. Yeah. Oh, got the crowd in. That, that's usually a good sign. <laughs> that's a good sign. You're onto something here. The guest <laughs> is pretty popular. How's the week, boys? Give me something. Oh, I haven't got much, really. What about you, Dan? What are you... I've just been, you know, back to, I've just been living under underground, still just working on that... Uh, other business we're about to launch, PK. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah. What I'm, about you, Dan? This is in my mind. I'm trying to think when this is going out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mate. 2023. <laughs> no time stamp. So the, the studio's open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not much has happened, boys, to be honest. Boys, you know what? This guest. I think it's such got, a good guest. We've we got so much ramble. gold here. The yeah. clock's already running. Yes. Let's actually oh, kick it into gear. You, Hollywood. Yeah, get into him. Love it. Welcome back to Australia's number one podcast. We are the Little Fish, and we speak to the big fish about town each and every week. Like, share, subscribe. All those viewers that aren't subscribers, bloody subscribe. Algorithm loves it. Beautiful. Let's get into it, guys. Today's guest is regarded as one of the best AFL players of all time. Achieved the 1993 Rising Star Award, 2002 Norm Smith Medal, 2003 Brownlow, six Copeland trophies. That's the BNF for the Mighty Pies boys. Seven All Australian team selections. Ooh, and seven. Has, seven. A couple seven. of good years there. Yeah. And has been inducted into the Collingwood Hall of Fame. He's got more accolades than years in the game, boys. <laughs> Must be a bit That's fun. not even all of them, man. We had to cut. Is that the record? Seven All Australians. We'll have to find that out. It's a, a big number, there. isn't it? Careers yeah. don't even go for that long. Got to be up there. Beginning in his AFL career as a Brisbane Bear, snagging the rising star up there in 93, he went on to captain and eventually coach Australia's biggest sporting club. Oh, yeah. Benny's Mob. Hello. Benny's Mob. The Mighty Pies. These days, you can catch him walking the tan when he's not commentating for Channel 7. There you go. Give it up for Nathan Buckley. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of, of humour in there, bit of tan action. Walking the tan. Yeah. How's that, Bucks? You ever got an intro like that before? No, nothing about uh, the tan or anything to do with that, mate. So no, you got me. Um, yeah, I, when I when I get the the bios, um, you need to turn me up a little bit here. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. So when I get the bios, um, it feels like a different person. Um, yeah. I can't hear. 
So it feels like a different person. It's that long ago. So I retired in 07 yep. um, as a 35-year-old, but it just feels like, um, yeah, a, a different a different guy, like a different lifetime because, um, you know, I, I feel like I've been fortunate, to, even through the lens of footy, I've been fortunate to be in so many different environments, to meet so many different people, different walks of life, and I've learnt, I'd like to think I've been a lifelong learner and learnt from all of them. But yeah, it's uh, that feels like a yeah mm. a lifetime ago. A different person. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Have you is have you consumed it yet? Is that like what? Like why wasn't that you? Um, well, it, it was. It was. It it, it was. Def- it was definitely the person. You know, the best representation of who I was. And I think that's all you can ever do is, yep. is be the best version of yourself right now. But um, and you can and you're a product of your upbringing. You're a product of your environment. The the opportunities you get and what you do with them. Um, and I mean, I've listened to some of your previous podcasts and yep. it's, you know, work ethic and attitude has always been a big one that's come through from, yeah. from the people that are successful. And I reckon I was always really strong in those areas, but I was so tunnel visioned as a young man. Yep. Um, and I valued my, my, my worth as a person with how good I was at footy. Yep. So that actually gave, it put me, put me under a lot of pressure. Yeah, but it also meant that I was quite manic about being good at footy. Yeah. So um, there was a, a love hate relationship <laughs> at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bucks, let's can we go back to your upbringing? Of you know, we've done the research, listened to a lot of different different podcasts and and things about you. You know, you 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 know, you say you had a great upbringing. Mm. You know, your parents they worked hard. You know, they provided for you and your sister. Um, but it seems to me the lessons that you learned off your parents they seem pretty powerful yeah I, I i respect both my mother and my father absolutely and and for different reasons i, I think i was really fortunate because your mum's a strong woman um really earthy um uh, qualif- uh, nurse um qualified nurse by i suppose profession yep. but then she loved working in community she's a real people person and You'll find her on Facebook now, I reckon. She's like, she spends all of her time. Well, she she could be a subscriber, maybe. Yeah, yeah. She probably already signed on. No I find it's a, a different connection about mum. Every time I meet someone, it's n- yeah. nearly always. I was talking to Karen a couple of days ago. That's pretty much how it goes. And then dad was you know, a valuer um, and was um, worked in private and public sectors, and he was a footy coach. Yep. Um, and what I didn't know about him was his experiences at war yeah. and how that impacted him as a young man and then how that, what type of parent and what type of dad he was. Yeah. Um, but both of them together, you know, really strong individuals in their own right. And I've learnt different things from them. I, I think I'm a pretty good balance of both. And um, yeah, we've had our, cha- we had our challenges as our relationship as we've gone along sort of, Dad, I thought Dad was bloody hard on me when I was a kid. Mum was always a great supporter, but she always had a way of coming at something from a from left field that gave you a different perspective. But my relationship with them both now is as good as it's ever been. I'm very fortunate mm-hmm. as a 50-year-old man to still have my mum and my dad alive and to be able to unpack some of that stuff yeah. and to and to have some real, you know, real a stronger a stronger connection as I've ever had with them um, right now. Yeah, amazing. So. Because obviously being a father now yourself, you know, the way you were parented now, looking at how you parent your boys, you know, is that, you know, I guess have you evolved 
that. Yeah, well, it gives you a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's nearly like if you if you want to know how the challenges of being in that role or um, or having the empathy for what people's realities are, it's probably good to have walked in their shoes a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I might not have liked Dad, uh, how hard he was on me, and and you know, we, we might have had a bit of we had a lot of friction when I was a young man or a young boy. Um, but I didn't have the perspective of what it was like to be a dad. So then when yeah. you become a dad yourself, it's, I reckon it's the toughest job you'll ever find yourself in, yeah. you know, like being a parent. Yeah. Um, it's it's really tough to be good at. Like you, yeah. you, you're going to find things that you've, things that you reckon you could do better and um, you're not always going to get it right. And there's a lot of failing in the process of parenting to yeah. work out how to create the right environment and to how yeah. to build this relationship. So I didn't know that until I was a dad. So... Yeah. It's probably a bit hard on mine. Yeah. <laughs> do you, but do you think he helped? I reckon my boys would be hard on me. But do anyway. you reckon dad helped you become that tunnel vision and, and passionate about footy and the skill set? Yeah, help might be one word for it. Um, <laughs> but I like, yeah, I, I can be thankful for it now. I actually sat down with dad earlier this year, um, wrote a couple of page letter just saying thanks to him for for everything that wow. he had done for me. Um, handed a photo of the two of us over. It was probably taken two or three years ago. I thought it was a bit iconic mm. both of us sort of looking off into the distance it was we need sort of some music yeah. Yeah. This, but, but I, I handed over and I read it to him over the table and um, we both had a cry and yeah I, I think it was just that I have real gratitude for what dad went through for the struggles that he had in his life for his capacity to stay true to himself as, as good as he possibly could Um there wasn't a lot of tactile. There wasn't a lot of love or affection between mm. us. But now, every time we meet, you know, it's, it's a kiss and a cuddle, and I love you. So it's, it's amazing where things come to. But yeah, um, yeah, the old man's. Uh, yeah, I'm very lucky, very fortunate. Yeah. It's different generations as well, though. Like you know, he he went to war. Yeah, you know, like we don't have. To, you know, like I'm parent myself. We don't have to go through those struggles. You know, the struggles that our parents went through, we don't have to go through. And I think that can affect how you parent and that sort of thing. Like it sounds like... And there was no that, one sharing how to parent back then either. There was no way to share the information. Otherwise, because you said before, like parenting is about failing and then figuring it out as you go. But we have the benefit of Buck's failing, sharing his story, and then we get to yeah, learn yeah. from it. Whereas yeah. our parents... generations never put yeah. their hand up to say we could have done this better. Yeah, like correct. It's just not the way that it worked. And their, their, their parents didn't do that. Well, I don't know how you guys go with uh, my my boys give me that much lip. It's not fun. I feel like I'm I'm negotiating flat out. <laughs> it's improving my negotiation. I find that baffling. We got Buckley, like a great player, great coach, and the kids are giving you lip. I'd be scared to be doing that. <laughs> my, my youngest, my youngest Ace, he's just turned fourteen, and he loves the game. But, but if I start talking about footy, he's yeah. just, yeah, what would you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's it's it's. Uh, I, that's when I have to get his. I have to pull his his coach aside and say something in his ear. I reckon you need to give him this. Yeah, bit yeah. Of information. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, Bucks, your your football career talks for itself. You know, you're one of the most decorated players out there. You going through your career, you're pretty driven. You're manic. You know, you said earlier you're manic. The way you trained, um, you know, was just was just brutal. Mm. You said that something shifted during your career that. You know, did it soften you? Did it? Did it? Were you looking through a different lens at a certain point? You know, can you talk about 
talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I was I was extremely self-absorbed, self-interested, and driven to be as good as I could possibly be. I always thought like be all I can be as a footballer. Really, mm. that's all that, that the only thing that mattered to me. And I suppose when you've got a singular focus, whatever the driver is, if you if that's a singular focus, well then and nothing else matters in your world, you're going to find out whether you're going to be good at it or not. So that was me and that, and that, that you know, not anxiety, I wouldn't say I was an anxious guy, but I just, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to be good at that. So, you know, I, there was a lot of, um, there was a, there was a bit of escapism, like it was still a heavy drinking culture you know, at Port Adelaide early days at Brisbane and then Collingwood. So there was escapism in that. So when you weren't, when I wasn't at footy, I was escaping over here because I didn't want the pressure that I was putting myself in yeah. over here. But when I was at footy, like it was just more, quicker, stronger, harder. Like that was, that was the mantra. Like it was just, if, if, the answer was to throw more energy into it, to, to put yourself under more duress, to put yourself in more pain so that you weren't going to fall short when it mattered. So that was the way I prepared. Um, it probably took me half of my career to realise, you know, beating my head up against the brick wall, getting success as an individual, that I realised that my contribution to the wider club and team and my teammates wasn't as um, impactful as it could be. Mm-hmm. So it was failure again in in a certain area that sort mm-hmm. of had me reflecting. And you know, I was 28 at the time, halfway through my playing career, when I realised that shit, I, I um, this this isn't going to do. What made what made it um, apparent? What, what yeah? How did well, I, I was captain of the club um, in '99. We we finished last um, in 2000. Mick came along. We won our first five games, lost our next nine in a row, didn't make finals again. Sydney Olympics was on, season was brought forward about four four weeks, six weeks. I was on about to go on a big trip to Europe for six weeks to get out of the country and I just thought it was going to be a great reset opportunity. Um, so I second year of captaincy, hadn't played in the final since 1994. So mm. it's now, we're now six, seven years down the track Um and the first versus eighth game over at Perth where Mick McGon spilled a chesty and you know, we lost that by two yeah. points. That's the only final I'd played in in my career. So there was a fair bit of evidence there to suggest that Something whatever's happening right. now yeah. isn't working in the environment that I'm in and I've got to take responsibility for my contribution to it as well. Um, so I went away and I ended up reading two books one was how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> classic, classic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's right, that boy again? That's Dale Carnegie. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. the, the thing that came out of that was criticism and and where criticism sits and how ineffective it is as a feedback loop and and I realised oh, that's about my only communication <laughs> yeah. style from, from myself and everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, and the other one was. Um, a bit, a bit ethereal, a bit spiritual, but it was the Celestine prophecy, and that was everything happens for a reason, and don't ignore coincidences. So, mm. and I took something out of both of those. I wrote myself for the first time in my life. I wrote myself a mission statement, and that was to go from one end of the spectrum of being all about me to go to the other end of the spectrum of being it, the only thing that matters. It's not about kicks, marks, handballs, or what I do. All of the only thing that matters is helping others be the best they can be. So, armed with that. Focus and I'm pretty. I was pretty good at once I'd set yeah, something. Yeah, once you figured something out. 
I think that like I enjoyed the second half of my career infinitely more because I, I wasn't under as much pressure. And this was a this was a side effect. It wasn't what by design, but the side effect was I didn't put myself under as much pressure to be best on ground or to or to be the best trainer on the track. Even I still had those those carryovers. It doesn't happen like mm. that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I I wish I'd have learned that earlier, and I wish I'd accepted that that was a possibility earlier. But because of the upbringing and the way I went about it, I was yeah. And I had people telling me, but I just didn't want to hear it because. Because I wanted to, I didn't want to give up on the way I was going about it. So I was I'm a bit stubborn. And individually, and even like you were saying, so even individually through those earlier years, you were you were succeeding as an individual, right? Like you were, you were positioned yourself as one of the best players mm. in the game. So it's it's easy to see why you couldn't sort of connect those dots. I yeah, I was, so I was getting what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm. it's just wasn't the right thing <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah so half the challenge i suppose is to what i've learned and reflected on and i would counsel others to as a leader or a manager is you know stop every now and then and reflect on where you're going where you're heading are you heading towards what you wanted but more importantly is what you wanted still what you want mm. yeah is that yeah. the most important is that still the direction you need to head because I used to think it was a straight line between here and there, and any deviation at all was a weakness. Mm, you know, yeah. Any deviation left or right was giving up on your initial goal. Yeah. But the reality is, is it's if you're sort of heading on that wedge as an individual, you're gonna like a plane doesn't go dead straight. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it still gets to its destination. So you can, as an individual, you've got to consider that, and groups of people clearly need to consider that because. Things are going to blow you off course every now and then. But Bucks, when you made that shift, is that, I'd say, when you were playing your best football and then the team Absolutely. was most successful because you won the Brownlow after that? Yeah, and yeah, well, so, as so an individual. And, we, and individual. the Pies went into a couple and of flags shortly yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, like, and then, I think it's too simplistic to say, yeah. you know, this change happens. So, right. and that, like, yeah. that, there's plenty of different things. You, you, one, you, you, my ego, even my ego, is not that big that I think that that, that shift alone changed mm. the. The course of the, the <laughs> club, there's pl- plenty of other things that happen mm. around you, um, and I, but there's no doubt. Like I was um, enjoying my footy more, which meant I was probably I was happier. Mm. I was hiding less of you know this baggage that I was carrying. Mm. I was able to lighten my load, um, and I don't know. I mean, if if that's if that's all that it achieved, well, then that's that's got to be better because yeah. I'm living a better life. Yeah. I'm being, I'm learning a little bit. More, I've learnt a little bit more about myself. I've let go of something that I don't need to carry anymore, and I've let a lot more in. So, yeah. even if that was the only thing that came from it, it would it was be a beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, something that I remember. Then a good friend of the show, Bryce Holdaway, he said, "I think a lot of people start out wanting to be the hero." And you're going on this mission, let's mm. be the hero. But he said, what you learn is you want to be the guide. And the guide is what you should aspire to. Yeah. And by being a guide, you're able to teach and mentor and learn. And that's where you get the best satisfaction from rather than being the hero. Yeah, well, I think that that comes with self-awareness. My, my journey suggests yeah. that it comes with self-awareness. Yeah. And I think if anyone's looking for a, a step jump or a quantum shift, not just in themselves, but in their environment that you know whether it's a family or whether it's work or whether they're it's their circle of friends i think the the best way to do that because often people go 
oh, I need to, this person needs to do that and we need to improve this or, you know, we need to change the dynamic and it's often outward looking. Yeah. And my, my recommendation for people is always, and my, if, if I'm speaking one-on-one or if I'm in a corporate situation or if, I'm, if I was coaching or leading, it's always about, you know, have a, understand yourself better and there's always things that we can be reflective on and unpack. And you know, why do I feel like that? Or what is what's happened in my past that has me doing things the way I'm doing it? Is there a better way to do it? Yep. Um, and I think when you, if you've got self awareness, one, you can't get scuttled by something that you're aware of because you can yeah. see it coming. It's not as like a magpie's coming to swoop you at the back. Or you, you're aware of it, you can actually deal with it. Um, and the more aware you are, the closer to yourself that you can actually be. And I think that emanates throughout your relationships in all forms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bucks, what would you, what advice would you give, you know, you've captained, you've coached, you know, you're, you're a well-known leader and it sounds like that your ability to lead has evolved over your career. What are, what are the things, you know, are important, do you think, to be a good leader? Um. And yeah, they have along with that self-awareness and mm. part of that self-awareness is understanding your ego and knowing when it pops up and when it doesn't. Sometimes we act out of out of you know, natural instinct and that'll often be our ego that's doing it, but we've sort of got to understand when that's the right thing and when it's the wrong thing. But I, I, for me, the, the, the most important thing with leaders is and I've, I've listened, I listen to Mark's, Mark Walkley's podcast, yep. your guys, um, you know, um, during the week, in preparation to come in here, it's always. And you well, listen import- to you listen to Marx's preparation. <laughs> Important <laughs> to know what the boss is saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, did say one thing. I got to. Like, I think you might have asked a question about the boys, and he said, "Yeah, we've got the number one and two shot for you." Missed the follow-up question. Which one's number one? We all know which one's number. Yeah. That would have thrown the cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah, but um. Yeah, Mark's talking about sort of um, the thing that stuck with me there that I, that resonates with me that I also believe is, and you, you guys spoke about how he treated his people. He always looked after them. And I don't reckon it was just the things that you wanted materially. Mm. I think he, it seems to, I think the best leaders see the people before the professional or see the person before the worker. Because every person has a family, they have a personal situation, they have challenges in their lives. And if you can sit with them long enough to say that you want to help them through those aspects of their reality, mm. they will find more of themselves to commit to your cause. Mm, now, yeah. I don't, that's not why you do it, mm. but you're actually doing it because you're doing it because you can help people along in their lives. But the side effect of that is that they will buy into anyone that's helped. If you like, just to have a think about people that have helped you along your journey, yeah. you will want to help them back. It's a yeah. human thing. I think good trumps evil. Everyone wants to be involved involved in something greater than themselves. So if you can make that, you can build that environment where people actually feel valued just for being themselves. Mm-hmm. You'll get their skill set, whatever that is, in spades. And that's, yeah. I think, that's an important environment to build. Yeah. Bucks, when did all that shift happen in, in coaching? Because I always, well, when I played, and that was only at local league, it was always yelling at you and screaming at you. Mm. It wasn't about investing in the person. So I guess the question is, when you were coached, 
was was it about investing in the person? And then obviously when you were a coach, did you start off that way? Invest in the person and then they'll follow you or? I definitely didn't start off that way, no. No. You know, it was all from ego and I know better. And this is after even going through that shift and uh, as a player. And yeah. I think I sort of, you end up, I took two steps back um, as a coach because you should have changed your, your responsibilities and it's very different coaching than playing or leading than following. Um the, the anecdote I'll give you about that, how coaching's changed. Lee Matthews was, was the coach at Collingwood in 94 when I first came oh, on. Yeah. So 94 and 95, two years. I reckon probably had three or four conversations with Lee in that two years. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I, and I, don't, I, it, I don't know, but obviously that's a little, that's, that's probably a little unf- un, unkind mm. because, uh, or unfair on him because – um, there was there was more than that, but it felt like that sometimes. He was he stayed removed. He he kept um, he kept his position of authority. Uh, he was still teaching me. I still mm. remember kicking um, you know kicking the grass with him after I'd injured myself. I'd um, I'd had a couple of transverse process, a couple of um, um, yeah, a couple of my vertebrae that had been cracked. Um, James had dropped a knee the, the week before. I missed a week, and then I was coming back, and and, I, and he was did, I'd done a fitness test, and I said, "Look, yeah, but if I cop a knee here, I'm probably not going to be able to get through the game." Yeah, and I was waiting for him to tell me that that was going to be okay because I wanted an out. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was so I was twenty twenty three. I wanted an out and I wanted the coach to say that yeah, if you cop, if you cop a knee, I can understand how you won't get through a game. He just, it was just, we are just waiting there, looking at each other, <laughs> silence, a bit of a standoff. Give me something lethal. I didn't want to say, I didn't want to say that, I, didn't, I, I wanted to play. give myself wriggle room. I didn't want to say I can't play. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't going to give me the excuse. And I reckon we stood out there for five or ten minutes to sort of kick it <laughs> In the end, he didn't give it to me. I said, I'm right, like I'm 100%. So I had to take that on board because it was my responsibility yeah. to make the call. As it was, I played like a prick. I was telling yeah. you. And the next week was a little bit better because I was so angry at myself. But Lee, he hardly had the conversation. It was all, you know, one way. It was all top down. And But then I now see him as a guy that I want. We catch up mm. once or twice a year. I worked with him in Channel 7 when we came back around. So obviously he coached the Brisbane teams and he went about it. Probably different. He said he goes went about it differently then than he didn't in, in his first stint at Collingwood with the lessons that he learned and um, and he's a different guy now. He's one of the most you know interesting, gregarious, chatty, connected guys that yeah. that I've that I find with that with that sort of experience that he's gained. And I love talking to him, and I feel like he's really interested in mm. me and yeah. And he wanted wants to help me along. Now, I didn't feel that in 94, 95. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it wasn't there, but it was a different... Like, So we're talking now 30 years down it's, the track. Yeah. So we have a different relationship. But I think that that is, that is a sign of how things can change and have changed um, you know, with the way that you lead and manage. I still think you still need the carrot and the stick and you still need the understanding of the person, but then the demand on the professional and potentially the art... That they were here of is 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 the balance the of challenge. those, and mm-hmm. when to when to challenge a professional, or when you see something that's not quite right at work, to understand, okay, well, wonder what's underneath that, because there's a pattern of behaviour here that's not actually the best of this person. So rather than challenging them here, maybe I have to step back and find out if everything's mm-hmm. right at home, or if the, what are you dealing with here, rather than 
sending it further underground by yeah. challenging here. Mm. So I think maybe that's the art in leadership and management. Um, yeah. But it comes from a fair bit of, you know, it's a simple philosophy, but I think when to use it is probably the as key. tough as, as mm. any. Yeah, and find find the root of the cause potentially rather than trying to fix it at the surface or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, I think that's empathy is the word empathy, you know, yeah. that we talk about and, you know, and that's just perspective. And maybe that's why experience is the best teacher because I think it probably has us understand that there's far more circumstances that people will find themselves in that you will be able to live in your lifetime. Yeah. So you need to ask the questions and you need to understand, you need to sort of be empathetic to understand what someone else's experience is because you might, you might not have ever been in it. So yeah, um, you're learning all the time. hundred percent, hundred percent. Bucks, while we're on leadership, I love leadership. Who was who? Who would you mention as one of the great leaders that you've played with, or played under? Um, and what did they do that was different? Good question, Pika. Yeah, look, I, I I've sort of put this under the guise of. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. Carry on. It's a serious question. <laughs> Shooters to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's. I put that under the guise of. Um, of not so much management or leadership, but but inspiration. Like like I think the best leaders are the ones that understand the group of people, the environment, and the challenge. Yeah, and they're able to mould all of those together to get it done. There are so many different ways to set that up. Yeah, and it needs to be. The, I think the best leaders are the truest to themselves. Yeah, because that takes away. Well, I. I it takes away gunk in the space and it and it makes it authentic. It makes it really clear um, and it enables people to be creative and express themselves in that environment yeah. within the parameters set by the leader or the leadership group or the, the, the management team. So you can have parameters that are that tight and they're really rigid, but at least everyone knows that and then they can play in that space. Yeah, yeah. You can have ones that are wide and here, so, so there's a lot of play, mm. but they have a leader that wants to open up and then you take the risk there that you might not have as much control, but uh, that's the way, it's true to me, so I'm going to set it up like that. Yeah. If you've got a person who sets it up like this, but they're a creative type, like in, it's, it, you're incongruous and it's not... Yeah, someone may not prosper in that. Mm. Well, it's more important to set something up of a reflection of the way you would have it done. Yes. You need to be you need to be authentic to allow other people to be authentic. Yeah. And I think that there's still a lot of leaders around that set things up the way that they think it should be. Mm. Yeah. Not necessarily what's true yeah. to themselves. And then and and they could struggle to lead lead I, that I, I lead think, that structure because it's not authentic. I think authentic. that causes gunk. So Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Lee Matthew, I had um John Cale, is, who was just all about positivity, strengths-based, this is what you're great at. You go out and do this because we've got other blokes that can do that over there and you're going to be great and you're going to be amazing and let's we'll do a little bit of preparation, 45 minutes of touch here and there during the season. We've had a really strong pre-season, a heavy pre-season. Mm. Hardly touch the balls and then go out and play. That's exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah. Then Robert Walls, who is, hey, yeah, this might be going well, but you haven't had a tackle for four weeks. And pull your finger out. Like it was all of that, the things that you needed to do that you weren't doing. Okay. If I'd have had Wallsy first and Jack Kale second, I might not have got to Jack. 
Yeah, mm. because it might I might not have been ready for another version of Dad right off the back of <laughs> yeah. right yeah. at the start of so my hi- NFL highlighting the things yeah that you weren't doing well yeah well I don't know where that would have taken me see there's a little yeah. bit of good fortune that happens as you go along your journey I think being aware of that is is important too but um yeah well, but I loved both of them the the endless optimism and posit- positivity of of a Jack Cale yeah. And I, yeah, that, that that three years at Port Adelaide in 90, 91, 92, so I'm 18 to 20. I love that. I like to reflect on that as an awesome experience. And then the next year when I turned 21 at Brisbane for that, it's only seven months with Wolsey. I've loved Wolsey, love him. <laughs> but two polar differences in a philosophy of how to coach and how to set up an environment. Yeah. And both very good at their jobs. So I think the common theme of that is be true to yourself. You've got to be you. Yeah. to allow others to be themselves. And that's when you unlock that capacity that I'm talking about with your people, I think, when you're really clear on on who you are and how you want to set an environment up for yourself. And I think others will see that genuine, authentic, authentic yeah. version of you. And that's the way you connect with people, yeah. I think. Whether it's, a, whether it's a skin deep connection or a really deep connection, at least there's a connection yeah. that that's authentic and real and then you go from there so is that what happened in 2018 bucks obviously before then you weren't really making finals and then something clicked in 2018 as coach is that you were more authentic or you found something in you that helped the team get to where they got to well i'm really like i'm really loath to talk about sort of those flicker switch yeah. moments because that's journey. not the way it's more it works. It's deeper than that yeah but it, but it, like like in like in the playing career i mean it, it, there was a there obviously was a moment there's a catalyst moment where i decide decided i wanted to be go about it slot differently and there was the same thing mm. it was probably mid 2017 that when i thought i wasn't going to get another contract and and I, once again, the decision I made was if if this is going to be the last time I'm, I'm in a senior coaching chair for the last sort of 10 games of 2017, well, I'm going to do it exactly the way I want to do it, <laughs> which which I – and I'm sort of speaking aloud here because I don't know if I've ever, ever really sort of reflected on this part of it, but doesn't that mean that I wasn't doing it the way I wanted to do it beforehand? Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So – and that sounds really – beneficial to me but it's probably it probably says how much I still had to learn to be authentic to myself and authentic for the environment but the end of 17 I actually gave up on new contract gave up on fighting with the media gave up on winning or losing and focused more on the individuals around me showed more of my my own personality I suppose um um at various stages you go through different I was you know struggling in my marriage at that st- at that stage so you sort of I realized the importance of the football club and the people around the football club mm-hmm. and how crucial they were to me more than I'd ever known to that point so um I was probably more vulnerable than mm-hmm. I than I'd been in the past probably felt like I had to put up these even down that that far down the track sort of keep taking layers of yourself off before you yeah sort of happy to show who you really are or more so because we all keep something yeah, for ourselves, um, but yeah, I think that was that was probably the circumstances that led to that. Um, the review was done. I got supported into another couple of years, which was 
once again, when you get something you don't expect, you're always going to sort of, it's going to give you a certain amount of energy. If you get something you expect, it's like meh. So, yeah. so it was unexpected. Uh, I, I sort of probably had not convinced myself, but I thought I was prepared for letting it go. Um, yeah, so then the yeah, 18 was the preparation for 18, the connection of that group in 18 and 19 was next level and not, not dissimilar to 0203 yeah. on the playing side. So it was very fortunate to have had that experience. Is that so you're putting that down to being authentic? Once again, it's not all that. No, yeah. There's, yeah. there's plenty of other things yep. in the mix. Yep. Doing what other people, well, doing what you thought you should be doing opposed to what was in your heart and what you thought. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that's where my, my this idea of if you're going to be a good leader, well, be the best version of yourself. yourself and yeah. Be self-aware and, um, you know, do that work. Yeah. Uh, and But uh, that, that was a product, you know, probably the three or four years leading into that sort of unpacking stuff with my dad and why, you know, even looking back to my playing career and why I'd done the things that I'd done and, and done it the way that I'd done it, that I had um, gone about it. Um, dad and I went to Vietnam in 2010, so I was able to unpack some of that yeah. and he opened himself and that was largely the, the tenor of the letter that I wrote him was to say, thanks for opening yourself up to me so that I could take that information uh, and open myself up to understand yeah. you know what that had impacted on and it was just you know it's lifelong um, and I don't know if everyone actually gets to that point no they don't but no. because you know and you said it right at the start I, I picked up on it you were you were grateful that oh, you yeah. still had both of your parents to be able to sit down and look I'm not that lucky yeah. I guess you know what I mean and sitting here and it's all making total sense but yeah. I haven't had those conversations and haven't been able to if that kind of makes sense mum or dad uh, probably well my dad's here right. but he's pretty hard and he, yeah, yeah, okay. but I still haven't had those conversations with dad for sure Yeah. Um, but even mum yeah and, and mum's, she, not, and mum's here. not here yeah. yeah. so yeah and I think like if if we were sitting in a cafe across from one another I would say that you can find peace with the mum side of it within yourself. Like you're not going to get anything from her anymore as such, but you can reflect on the journey that you've had with her and you can find some form of peace and comfort and understanding without her presence. Like that's that's something Absolutely. within your capacity. And with your dad, I'd say think about something you're grateful for with him. Yeah. And go and have that conversation. Because yeah, I'm the youngest. I've got two older brothers and my dad. So there's yeah. just the four of us left. And I, where, where'd we go? We, we, we had a family event recently and you look around and people, you, the brothers and sisters, they're all calling each other in the family. It's just not what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like My dad was on the other end of the couch and we're having yeah. these conversations. Like, he doesn't call me very often. We don't call him. I love him and we all love each other and we all know where we fit. Yeah. But yeah, we just, I think we're just conditioned or our beliefs are that we just keep to ourselves and... Well, I mean, so the smallest little thing that would break out of that paradigm could be something that it could be the best thing that's ever happened in his life. Like, yeah. it just, you just got to think, I suppose, no matter what journey you're on, no matter what your current circumstances are, no matter if you've been in a relationship that's been down this road and heading down this path for, you know, decades, you can, if you want something to change like that, you can change. Yeah. You've, got, you've got this capacity mm. to be a different version of yourself if you choose something more authentic to yourself. So there'll be a, like you might be really comfortable with that, and you might think, no, that's the way I love it, and that's the way I want it. And I, 
and I don't need it to be any different. And that's fine. That's great because that's a most true version Authentic, of yourself. Yeah. But if, you, if there's something there that's, oh, look, I wish, mm. I wish I had this or I wish I said that or I wish I could go back and I don't really understand that yeah, a little yeah. bit more. You don't need to go directly to that thing, but if you decided, look, I just, I just, I, I can only guess how tough it was due to ABC, and I just want you to know that um, I always felt loved, yeah, whatever, yeah, that, yeah, like, whatever yeah. it is. Or mm. remember that time, da da da. Like I just, you probably don't remember it, but I just remember feeling like looking at you and thinking you made me feel really special there. Like just yeah. something that that you can reflect on, and you throw that in and the be the first one to sort of open you got up. No yeah, idea yeah. where that's going to come yeah. back. Yeah. And but it will change. Yeah, yeah. It will change. And it's things. scary. It can be scary, right? Because you're being oh. vulnerable. Oh, yeah. it's real scary. <laughs> it's confronting. It's scary. It doesn't feel natural. But yeah. you only can do it when you're at ease with yourself. Yeah. And that's this this coming back to you. So you never you never just never know. I mean, some people it once as you said, like it is scary. Change yeah. is scary. And I like things the way they are. Why yeah. would I change what I'm doing? Because I actually like what's going on. And that's why failure or mm, it's when things what's... aren't working are often the catalyst for big change because I don't like how it's working. So I've got to change it because no one else is seeming like they're going to do anything about it here. Yep. So that, that's often where, where we grow. And I think we can't underestimate, like you said, Bucks and, and Benny, those little conversations that you have or those little nuggets that you push out there, you can't underestimate how powerful they can be and what, what mm. can come from that. I think we sort of head around in our lives just thinking oh well if i said that if i didn't say that you know what difference is that going to make mm. but i think we can't underestimate saying something to a parent or a child or a friend whatever it might be what that might do for them it's not always um what you put into the space to get something back either yeah it's often the things that you the biggest changes come when you go about something authentically Without expectation, pure, yeah, without pure, anything yeah, yeah. expectation return. Yeah. So I mean, look, I believe, I be, like so we've take a step back. It's all about finding the best version of yourself. We pay personal trainers, or people pay personal trainers, a hundred bucks an hour, mm. and they're largely what they are is they're hot, they're hot men or women. You know, <laughs> yeah. They basically reflect the best version <laughs> of yourself back at you, and yeah, it's often yeah. through the work that you are doing for your physical form and for how you view yourself. I reckon we're in a, and I'm chasing this at the moment from a, from a, from a business perspective, but also it's a purpose of mine. I think people can find a better version of themselves yep. if they choose. Hmm. And, but you need someone to hold the mirror up for you. Sometimes it's not always going to be a mate. Like I, I, I learned the value of friendship, you know, really that going through your know, marriage breakdown that's the last, largely it. Marriage mm. breakdown, um, and feeling like, well, this is this is the only thing I thought was sure. The only thought I thought was concrete. But then what I've learnt from that was the value. Of, like I had five or six mates that just got around me, and I just thought, how good is that? Like mm. I never understood that I needed people as much as I learned over that period of time, that three or four years. But what I reflected at, so friendship's good. I can walk side by side with a mate. I was as vulnerable in those moments as I've ever been in any relationship and I was able to be as open as I possibly could and I'm a pretty open guy. But I reckon even when we talk to our mates, when we're going really well, 
we don't we don't know whether our mate's going really well. So you might you might you hold a little bit back. You don't you don't go over the top. You don't give it a hundred percent of how good I'm going because you're a bit. You, you mm. might be you're thinking about your mate. And you go okay. Well, he might not be going. That's why I don't want to show off. Yeah. That's a very blokey thing, very Aussie thing as well. And if you're going shit house. You don't want to say how shit ass you're going because you're a little bit embarrassed and you're a little bit ashamed and you mm. definitely don't want to drag your mate down. So I think, you know, the PT guy or girl, often they might be the one that gets all of it mm. because yeah. this is a this is a, an arm's length relationship. I reckon there's space for coaches, whether it's a, a mental or emotional trainer, who, who you actually who gives you a chance to empty out good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. and they actually help you along in your life, get yeah. you from a six to a seven or a seven to an eight. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I want to chase that. I want people to be a better version of themselves. So if you're doing some things in life, you know, maybe going to bed a little bit late or not eating the best foods or um, not telling people that you love them because you're a bit worried about what the response is going to be or you've got some trauma in your life, like th- thinking about something that happened when you were 10 and you're 35 and you're not quite sure how to how to approach that if you can open yourself up to someone and they can hold you to account in a week's time so well have you done that have you Mm -hmm. made these shifts have you made these changes yeah it's going to help you be a if you're sitting around a five it's going to help you be a seven yeah we put these things in place so then you're a better work work colleague you're a better sister better version of yourself better brother Mm -hmm. or dad or or mate um or father in the end, like or, or son. So I mean, that's I think that that's I think we're starting to move there. And um, mindset's huge at the moment. I reckon well, it's a big thing, and it's so closely related our heart and our mind. So mm. I just, I th- but but there, I think you know, listening to you and Mark a couple of weeks ago talking about how you set up little fish and and how it's so regimented. Yeah, there's room for us to go in within ourselves and go, okay, well, what are the the, the things that we need to nail down? Yeah, that'll enable me to be the best version of myself. And this is something that you're you're passionate in, yeah. Nathan. Getting people from a five to a seven, a seven to an eight. Well, we all know, like you, you have good times and bad times. Yeah. So it's not as if you don't move up and down. Mm. But and and you you'd probably know you could probably list off three or four things in your own self talk and in your in your in your mindset that you know that you're doing when you're at your best. Most productive, but when you feel happy, you're happy within yourself. There's probably three or four things, and it might be around diet, sleep, exercise. It might be about how much connection you have with certain people. Yeah. Um, it might be about how much reading or educational stimulation you're getting or not getting. Like there'll be certain things yeah. that you know right. that makes me that unlocks me. I reckon I'm the best version of myself when I'm doing A, B, C, and D. Yeah. Now, if you had someone there that was just there to remind you about, and we all fall off the wagon too, yeah, yeah, and right. and some of us will kick our own ass, and some of us sweep under the carpet and never and never go back there, yeah, yeah. depending on your level of self discipline. But if someone was there to be your hype guy and hold the mirror up for you and hold the, and bring that accountability and that rem, yeah. those reminders about the best version of yourself, I, I why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we invest mm-hmm. in that? Or, yeah. or or why wouldn't we just do that with our mates? And role model it as I, as I was yeah, talking about. Yeah. Why, don't you, why don't you do that, and then find out what that does for your relationships just by being a by being there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And why don't we do that with our mates, Bucks? Like you said, like we keep We're it conditioned. We keep we we keep the successes. Mm. We yeah. we lower them and water them down. down yeah, we water it, it down. Too. Correct. And we just yeah. How you going? Mm. Yeah, good. Sweet. Well, mate. it's a lot better now than it used to be. We were, you yeah. were talking about yeah. that earlier, Ben. So, you know, the generations makes it better. 
Yeah. But I just reckon, look, if you look forward, I mean, just, you know, we were talking about live your best life. Yeah. You know, we've sort of all got a bit of an idea of that, but not all of us have got the rigour to do it day in day I know I look at myself in the mirror I, I kick my own ass if I if I've sat up an hour longer than I need to I miss out on an hour's sleep which means I'm not a little bit doughier when I get up in the morning or I press snooze and I've, mm. I do it two or three times and then I'll shit I haven't got time for yoga this morning now and yeah. I know that that sets me up or going for a run with a mate or connecting you know so we all know what works for us right now so we've got to do it right now yeah. and when you don't it's on you, but you know, we're, all, we're all creatures of habit, so you've got to create good habits, and the only way to get rid of bad ones, I reckon, you can't just remove a bad habit and leave a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I think you remove a bad habit and put a good one in its place. Yeah. That's, that, that's sustainable. That's yeah, such good advice. Like Otherwise, it, you just like, go back to the bad habit. Yeah, the vacuum will come back yeah. in. Yeah. I walked in a bit down today with the boys. I've been off the bandwagon, been meditating for a week, and I come in shitty today. And I'm just thinking then, that's what I haven't been doing. And yeah. that's why I'm probably not my best version at the moment. Yeah, it's just I, incredible. I just clicked then. Yeah. Well, see, I've tried to meditate and I just I can't do it. My running and yoga is my mm. meditation. Yeah. But even then, you have a good one and a bad one. Like I don't reckon it, you need to judge yourself too much on whether it's good or bad. As long as you're sort of it's going practicing. through the things that you know help, help, you. You, help unlock yeah. stuff for you. So it's... Knowing yourself is one thing. Once again, going back to that self-awareness, self-awareness and then actually having the discipline or the rigor or the accountability to continue to, to bring those good habits into your life and they'll be different for everyone. Mm. Yeah. And the, the shared benefits of that, I just think, you know, we're, you know, you talk about productivity in business. Yeah. I just reckon productivity in life, it can, we mm. can go, th- especially with what's happened with COVID and everything. Correct. Bucks, hearing all of this, I'm just trying to picture why wouldn't you get back into coaching? Like, if you know yourself now, is that is, is that is that you're not? Is, there's no chance, Bucks. You like, haven't. Um, never say well, never. It's, it's really unlike. I got asked consistently, like every time someone a, a senior coach lost a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got asked about. You were like, asked a few times. The phone had ring. Someone's got the sack. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Phone calls this so, year. <laughs> are you going to do this one? Like, and then everyone, when I said no, everyone would say. Oh, so you don't like North Melbourne? Yeah. Oh, so Essendon, no, you don't like yeah. Essendon yeah. setup. Well, it's got nothing yeah, to do with yeah. anything else other than where I'm at. Yeah. The the reason that I'm unlikely to is because, I mean, I lo- I went went to Steel Side Bottoms wedding on the weekend, and to reconnect with all those boys was mm. like oh, I was. It was like one of those weekends, one of those sort of evenings where I felt very fortunate to be invited back into that mm. and to reconnect with some of those boys. Like I've stayed in touch here and there, but um, they're, they're off on their journey with you know, with the club now that I'm not there. So you're not involved with them day to day. So it's a little bit more at arm's length. But there's still a connection there that will never, never go because of the shared experiences. But it was awesome to do. Um, so that was... Um, yeah, that was something that was really sustainable, but mm. and I love that connection. But I can only help forty-five adolescents, yeah, you know, young men along on their journey, and then you probably got seventy staff, and then you got the other side of the building, like well, it's at seventies now, sort of fifty after COVID. Mm. So, say so fifty staff and fifty players. So there's a hundred people intimately that I can impact on their lives by helping them in this sense. Mm. Now, I feel like if I'm not in a football club that I might be able to help more people and I don't know uh, exactly how, what the vehicle is for that mm. or how that's going to come about. 
but actually feel like I can chase my purpose and impact more heavily around the areas that I want to be able to be involved in and impact outside of a football club than inside it. Wow. That's amazing. I think that's... I think that's... I reckon you're spot on too, Bucks. I reckon... I've always like... I used to love watching your old press conferences, Bucks, because I just loved how you communicated, how you could articulate stuff. Um, I've got a question around around that and pressure and stuff. How do you deal? Well, you, the, that week-to-week pressure, you spoke earlier about um, about your job. You know, you weren't sure there was uncertainty. Mm. On a Monday, the whole country's debating whether Bucks mm. has got a job next week <laughs> and it just goes on all season. Like, how do you deal with those pressure, that pressure and stuff and then you have the big losses and you come into those press conferences mm. and, you, and mm. you just ice in the veins, man, and, and you, you answer the questions and, and the way that you've been able to communicate and articulate is insane. Yeah, yeah, well that's and that's probably the other way. Like so that with that platform, you can get to more than just the hundred. So that's the other part mm. of it. because um, I think there's some amazing leaders that have that platform the way that like I think Chris I think the way Chris Scott yeah. communicates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I mean even I, I think he's lightened up a little like the, easier to lighten up when you keep winning. <laughs> yeah. and, but I think he this year he probably, you know, chicken before the egg type so he he was the one that was prepared like he was probably happier with how things were going mm. and, and but he probably was carrying some stuff in the previous couple of years that that probably had him thinking is this really what i want to do as well and that was speculated at times but mm. I, I think they there's a you know good leaders and it's you know you think about um popovich over in over in the nba and in the states like he's he's making political statements he's certainly talking yeah. about a way to live not just coaching a football team so yeah, he's yeah. so you get a platform on that but i uh, i got i get asked quite often you know you seem you're such a different bloke you, you know you look happier you know that's because i'm not getting asked the same shit questions <laughs> every other fucking yeah, week yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can understand why you wouldn't want to go back to that box like it's, <laughs> it's, it's madness. does that answer so, your question yeah yeah no no no, yeah, no it's true thing, yeah no 100 so, so you need to put your armor on, going yeah, because you conference. would still rock in, and that's to my Are point, you... right? You would still rock in, and you would still deliver and articulate, and you'd answer each question, and it didn't matter whether you won or lost. And I used to love it, like the, the sometimes you could just feel the pressure of just watching these press conferences and stuff, and you just navigate your way through it. Fuck yeah, and I think that some of that was was hiding what I was really feeling. You know, yep. probably early days, like you're putting on this, you put your armor on. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you're not no longer a player. Mm-hmm. So you're a coach. I remember a press conference that I had to give at the front of the St. Kilda Sea Bars in 2012, three games into my senior coaching tenure. We were, um, we just lost to Carlton. So we were one and two after winning a flag two years ago, playing losing grand final the year before, handover, there's obviously a lot of focus. So mm. early early wins and losses were going to be key. So we're one and two, we're in a recovery session. The questions were going to come about Mick, about the handover, mm. about, you know, everything other than how you're playing the game and what happened on the weekend. There was nothing about that. So I remember I wrote down five I and this was the early days of coaching. I sort of wrote down what I think my main messages are, and ended up coming to dot point five or six, and I and I and I executed, went out there, understood the questions. It was all prep. Understood the questions, bang, 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 bang. Got it out, handled it relatively well, um, respectful, 
never, never critical of anything, trying to present the best version of myself and the club because mm-hmm. that's that's the role I'm playing. Um, and then projecting forward, trying to find the best way forward, even though underneath and behind the scenes, there was plenty of shit that was going on that was really difficult to deal with. Some of it was my own doing. Some of it was the environment. Um, we just had Heath Shaw and... Circumstances Dale and Thomas situations, yeah. Hemis. Mm-hmm. We're going to miss next yeah. four weeks. So different stuff was happening. We won the next 10 games, which was good, but that was because the squad were established and they believed in themselves and they basically, you could do it on autopilot. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the coaching at that point. Um, but there was some stuff that, you know, it ultimately came out that made it difficult to win that was already in train. So, but doing those presses was like regimented. I got to the point, and even when I do a pregame, this is the message that I, this is the theme I want to go with, and I'd write it down. And by the time I got to the end, I'd just trust myself because mm. it was more authentic. Yeah. Like I, there was no less preparation, just walk in. We weren't trying to be verbatim. Think about this. I'd go for a run in the morning of a game and go, oh, yeah, yeah. That, I, I really like, I reckon that's what I'll go with. And then I'll, and I'll just talk from the heart. Or when I go in a press conference, you know, just be more authentic. I'm not trying to fight a fight. I'm not trying to, I'm not guarded about not saying this or saying, or I need to say this. It's just like, just be yourself. So I think that was a big learning for me. I think that's huge as well. Yeah. Because you feel the pressure. I know I do. Me and Pete speak about this sometimes. I'm, I feel like I need to be verbatim. You know what I mean? Like if I've got something to say, I feel like I need to be that prepared. But I just, I just don't have the trust in myself to be able to stand up on cue and then go to that place. So I think that, is that skill is that something you had to sort of learn, Bucks? Well, if you if you're in that situation often enough, you will become yeah. better at it. So if you're comfortable being uncomfortable, and you can, and you yeah. Can, yeah, and you can do it differently. Yeah. Um. So, and and I suppose in the end, I mean, I decided to do it differently because I realised I was fighting fights and putting my energy into places that it wasn't that I couldn't influence. Mm-hmm. So it was the media, like, um. Mark Robinson wrote an article about up to 11 players have tested positive at Collingwood have te- have been you know the oh, study yeah. up to 11 have tested positive to drugs over the off season and we lost we played round one against Sydney lost by 80 points up in the SCG which wasn't a great start Swanee broke his leg and didn't play again mm, that's right Alex Fasolo mm. fell on his head and nearly broke his neck <laughs> mm. um, we had we, we finished with one bloke on the bench. Uh, not a great start, and the and the and this article had come out mm. the night before. Going to that press conference wasn't a lot of fun, <laughs> no. so there was a oh. fair bit of fair bit of fronting on <laughs> yeah. that one. It wasn't all authentic, because but I was angry. I was really angry. Like there was plenty of things that we were responsible for, and it could have done better. And but there was a whole heap of stuff that happened outside of our control, including the environment and the pall that was cast over the club, the the players, um, and um, and the team by this article and was it warranted was, would you say bucks back then like was the, it the article yeah was it warranted or so, was it no well, the article came about when uh, Mark Robinson was tipped off by an anonymous person <laughs> that Collingwood had 23 positives that was a specific Collingwood like, so the the drug the illicit drug stuff had come back through the CEOs yep and and the I don't think it, it was it's not meant to, be, to go to coaches, supposed to be, players, de- yeah, supposed yeah, to be yeah, de-identified, right. but I think the CEO's got it. So someone in that cohort apparently had spoken to Mark Robinson said so there's 23 positives at Collingwood. Oh, there's 23 co- positives at a club. Mm. And then the supposition was, oh, we reckon it's Collingwood. Yeah. So then a call was made to the club. And I think at one point, 
um, one of the club spokesperson before coming back was said, look, that that I don't believe that to be true because no one knows if it's true or not. You yeah. don't even know your own results. Yeah, don't don't believe that to be true or not. But it, but it wouldn't be. It would be less than half of that if it was. <laughs> so that's where eleven comes from. Yeah. The throwaway oh, line. Wow. Can't have eleven and a half people. Yeah. So you got to make it up to eleven. And that's where the up to eleven comes from. From a comment, the throwaway comment from a from a spokesperson of the club, someone I think it was either in the media department to a journo, and that apparently is enough fact to run a story that's, that's shocking. that implicates every single player. Oh, so the wow. so the article hmm. put a Collingwood Guernsey cut yeah, off yeah, with a cut bullshit. cut off head here. Mm. Guernsey that implicates every single Collingwood player wrongfully. Have you and their families? Facts. Yeah, and their families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to fight. Oh, and I like it. And so I wanted pissing me off now, but and but I realised that you're not going to win that game. So I go to I go into AFL 360, and I spoke about you know there's a um, threshold of integrity here that that's the issue. It's not that you have got no fact. There's no nothing. This is all supposed. Mm. Um, and whatever you're going from that you think is fact is tenuous anyway. So how can you come to this outcome? <laughs> yeah. But I was trying to fight it. And look, I, I respect Mark Robinson to – he's got a responsibility to the paper, but I thought that he that was an overreach mm. and it affected people that mm. I didn't think it needed. Have you spoken to Mark about it before? Like is, has, he, has he put a forward a, a, his perspective or case on it where he's you know, backing himself up or has he sort of backed um, over and gone, you know what, he probably might have got me there, but... No, he probably doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> because it's pretty one. clear that a bit of that's, a long yeah, that's, a, that's drawn a very long bow. Well, yeah. Super long bow. Yeah, so in the end, so... I, like, But then I'm still fighting that, going in... Like, I'm still angry with Mark Robertson going into AFL 360... <laughs> For the rest of the year, pretty much, mm. yeah. it doesn't do him any good. Oh, because you were yeah. like you were yeah, yeah. co-host. I'm, st- I'm still yeah. I'm on there <laughs> yeah, every that, yeah. Tuesday, I think it was. So, so he did you no favors. I had to realize. No, he's got a job to do. do yeah. He's mm. trying to do his job the best of his ability. And Collingwood only one of eighteen, and it's not the only story he's writing. Yeah. yeah. He writes a story, it's gone. He writes next story, yeah, it's next gone. Writes next story, it's gone. That's the job. Like it's it's a twenty four hour cycle for them. My job is to prepare a team on the week, on any weekend, and then to try and get that trend going the right way. So any time that I'm spending on someone who's on a 24-hour cycle, he's not really going to listen to anything I've got to say. Mm-hmm. I'm just feeding the beast even further. Yeah. So it took me a little bit yeah. to get out and get my head out of my ass. But I, sometimes, even if it's on principle, you can fight a fight and spend energy somewhere where you're best just risky not having a yeah. change. You don't don't try and change people's perceptions or opinions. Just go about being you, the mm. best version of yourself, and then over an, uh, over a long enough time, you know, things will come to and pass. Just remind yourself of that. Oh, it's understanding those right? key moments because yeah, yeah. those emotional. Yeah. But I learned the hard way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, as you said earlier, but it's, it's about knowing your ego when it wants to pop up and defend or say something and do something. If you can control your ego and say, you know, what if they're saying that about me? Whatever. Yeah, I know it's not true. I found that really like I find that that's something that I need to consistently remind myself of because it's been so much in my psyche yeah. and in my upbringing. I'm a lot better at it now at letting it go, and I'm very aware of it. If I wasn't, it would still be getting me. You know, I'd still be, you know, you'd be really stubborn. You'd be you find yeah. yourself yeah you know, down a you know a particular train of thought or in a conversation, and you go, oh. but no, I reckon I'm. I reckon I'm I'm through it. Yeah. But the way I was brought up and 
you know, that pressure of being a certain, being perceived a certain way or being viewed as a good person if you're a good footballer. You, that had its genesis in my relationship with dad, which was reinforced as a player early and mm. then came back through as an early days as a coach. It's always there. Yeah. But you just got to manage it like Understand the best it. and worst of all of us. Mm. Great stuff. We're, uh, we're getting there, but Benny's got one question. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Probably so, one of the 28, God, 28 bucks. I have to pick but... which one bucks. But um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, when Pete read out the list of accolades, which was only literally just the top little portion of it, that it was hard for you to look back and reflect on that. Or it's hard to believe that that was you because it's so long ago and a different person and it's crazy, crazy list of achievements. My question is, hmm. there was a moment in time in this country where there was more number fives on any jersey hmm. of any sport, like in the whole country, right? Hmm. So... What was that like? Can you take us back to look? What, what did that feel like? Because my little fella's running around with a number five now. He thinks it's fucking Jamie Elliott. Mm. But truth but is, it's definitely. But yeah, but it, but it got ironed on as Buckley, you, you know, know what I mean? You know that Nick Maxwell was in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he, Sorry he, Nick. He happened to be a premiership captain. Yeah. So uh, he's, uh, and. Our, our kids were born on the same day in a room next to each other, me and Maxie, and my yeah. daughter's just sitting over there. Brixton was in wow. there. Yeah, yeah. Shout there out. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I. Um, well, it was everything that I wanted, you know. Like I, I was, I didn't play my first game of footy until I was a well, senior footy at AFL level until I was twenty. I, I turned twenty-one. I think it would have been around around twelve or thirteen in ninety-three for the Brisbane Bears. So I, I was a late maturer. Um, but at that stage, as I've said, that demented attitude of you know, if you're good person if you're a good footballer so I was that driven for that so to have people know me to have my name in the paper and have people wear your number around was pretty much a representation of everything that I wanted I wanted to be I wanted to be to be the guy understood I wanted to be um the hero celebrated I suppose yeah I want to be the hero um so that's felt great but it was all based on, if you come back to it, it's all based on this idea of self-worth. Mm. So now when I reflect it and I look back on it, I, I, it's so it's because it was not real, because it was, um, it was, it was, it was a means to an end. It was a mechanism that was created for, to drive me to self-worth. Like I don't need that anymore. But it's not to say that I completely forget it or discredit it, or that's a... I don't know, I, I, but in some ways, I suppose I did. I said, yeah. well, that seems like another person. It's like another lifetime. Because it was driven out of something that I don't understand, I, I don't uh, recognise anymore, that, that self-importance. Could, yeah. I, I don't need that for, to to know my own value now. Um, but it was great, and I still love it now. Yeah. I can still... I see it, and I can... You I, see yeah, the that's five, cool. you go, well, that's that cool. looks like a bit of... That <laughs> rather, looks like the right vintage. Rather than, oh, I'm a legend, I just yeah. go, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, actually, I look at him now, and I say, geez, Jamie's popular. Yeah. <laughs> Billy's popular. Yeah. yeah. My um, son calls himself AC Elliott, mate. He loves it. There yeah. you go. But one thing I do think that, you know, we, we, we can create these demons as well. I can create these... I thought myself, the club built up myself, and then it built up Dale Thomas... And Billy was starting to head that way a little bit. I think we sort of, when you're not winning on the field or your team's not going as well, you can fall into the habit, especially on a commercial sense, of trying to push an individual up, which sells more product. And and I think that is a massive slippery slope for organisations to push one person up on a pedestal above others. And I think I was a, 
I think I was a um, that was detrimental to the way I was viewed in some ways internally and externally because I, and I, that was through no fault of mine or no um, decisions of mine. But I think good organisations see the value in all their people equally as people, yeah. and then then they just allow them to do, like because the skill set of a same as Simon Prestige Como, you're not mm. going to get. He's not going to be lauded. He's not going to get stats, mm. but his skill set's just as important as uh, Scott Pendlebury, for mm. instance, in the premiership team or press even there. But in the end, um, I think you've got to value people for who they are equally. And then the professional attributes in a team, all of those attributes are important. Mm. There's yeah. no one that are more, yeah. no one attribute that's more important than another. Everyone's contributions helps the team or the or the business thrive. So yeah. Everyone's worthy on an equal playing field. There's no one human that's more important or less important than another. We've all got that basic human right, so they should even that out. And to put someone up on a pedestal, I think it it just creates disharmony and asks questions about why. Yeah, yeah. One one for someone, the person that's up there, they, they often don't believe it. They just want to be like as human as everyone else and I want to be part of this team. And the people are left underneath are asking, why not me? Or, yeah. or why is this? Why is this this um, this hierarchy? So, so I don't think that works in a long term sense either. And these are all the it's crazy the lessons over the journey of life, isn't it? Mm. Like we were saying before, I, I always bring it back to the way that information shared now. You know what I mean? Like back early footy and stuff, it was mm. people had their ways and they did it. And then as time goes on and we've been able to share information and stuff and learn those lessons. It's, well, it's we're crazy. a fair way and I don't know when you're going to pull us up, but like information sharing, Denzel Washington said like, that's a slippery slope. You can get down that yeah. wormhole. You'll have me forever. I love it. Let's but, go, Buck. Well, Bring it. We've got he you. said, <laughs> if you don't, if if you read the papers, you're misinformed or read mm. the media, you're misinformed. And if you don't, you're uninformed. So you, you're pretty well stuffed yeah. either way. I, I, I'm, I've, I'm, I've, there's a, I've a hard-earned cynicism about media and how we propagate information and fact because I've been exposed to you've, you've been it, at the coal not being mm. yeah. not happening well, and I've had to buffer against you know the opinion of even of who I am as a person you know for a long time there when I cared. Um, what other people thought, I suppose, but yeah, the the way information shared now is yeah, geez, you got to if you, if you haven't seen it with your own eyes, mm. there's go and see a go and watch a, a documentary called uh, Bellingcat. It's on Doc Play. Um, it's called Bellingcat. It's a it's a, it's a media organisation that basically try to debunk the misinformation that comes out through governments and, and mm. other organisations. It's fascinating. They had something on the Ukraine, the book missile and how the proof that it was, you know, that it had come across the border. And wow. so anyway, to, that, that sort of shows you what sort of lengths have been gone to, to tell certain stories. Narratives, yeah. And we believe them. And it yeah. goes to CNN and Reuters and the, and the people that we still put on a pedestal to yeah. believe. Yeah. And, yeah. And then you've got um, up to... Up to eleven, Collingwood. Yeah, <laughs> and it's but like, no consequence. There's no consequence yeah. behind that. No, and I the value of, comes from yeah. And being correct isn't as important it's, as being first. You know, these guys they want to no, get it out. Cool. They want to be first to the detriment of the truth. So why is it Foul and Cat? 
Bellingcat. Yeah. Bellingcat. So I don't know okay. where the name comes from. B e double l i n g c a t. So it's a it's yeah it's pretty dry, but it's a, there's a ninety minute doco. <laughs> it's interesting, but worth having a look at. No, awesome bucks. This has been um been really good, mate. A lot of quality in that. Great insights. And it sounds like you're uh you're off on another another mission to uh sort of unpack unpack that getting fives to sevens, sevens yeah. to eights, and and that sounds sounds exciting. Well, I think there's a shared um, focus on that. You know, we all, yeah. we all, from this existence, from where we are to where we're going to finish up, I mean, we, we don't get to choose that. You yeah. know, things happen to you that you don't expect or to your loved ones. And, you, know, you can get sideswiped and, you know, what have we got? We've got 10 people sitting in here. Like in, in, in a week, you know, one of us, something could happen mm. and, and our life just changes, whether yeah. it's to us or to someone else. So you've got to appreciate the moments you're in. You've got to have gratitude for what it is. Yeah. And the fact that we're we're not here forever, yeah. So let's be the best version of ourselves while we're doing it. Yeah. There's no use wasting time on it. So yeah, I'd, yeah, I don't know where it's going to go, but we'll see what we can. I'm do. tipping it'll go somewhere, bucks, based on uh, <laughs> other <here>. other <laughs> stuff you touch. Um, good on you, mate. Thanks again for your time. Know you're a busy Appreciate man, it, bucks. Please, guys, like, share, subscribe, share that with anyone that's going to get value out of it. So many nuggets in that. See you at the top. You. around.